The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network. We are presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, and we are now in association with IndiePW.com. We are sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. And in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. You can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. You can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I am Carl Carafel. And I'm Big Joe. And welcome everyone to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Absolutely, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling, and we have quite a bit to get to. Uh, the big stuff that uh, we want to get to is Wrestle Kingdom, but I want to get all the other stuff out of the way because there is some other things that have happened as well. First thing I want to kick off with is something that I was very surprised when this came up because I had figured, you know, given the notoriety of both of these companies, we're talking about um, 2K, the developer of you know NBA 2K, probably one of the better sports games out there, and of course the WWE uh, 2K games. WWE 2K20, when the clock turned, when uh, the time, when the, the year changed over to 2020, the game stopped working, Carl. People couldn't play it. Um, this was something that I figured we were past this kind of stuff. I mean, with the development of this, I mean, they, they, they should have kind of caught this. This is not an independent uh, game development team out there. This is a company with a lot of resources behind it, and they dropped the ball on this, and just it makes them look bad, and it's another kind of strike i mean just wwe guilty by association with that as well definitely they are Man. lots of people taking to social media claiming the y2k bug yes. 20 years later <clears throat> yeah like that was just crazy seeing photos of people putting up uh on their social medias with uh you know a blue screen yep <laughs> right almost like that microsoft blue screen of death going on it was just unreal yeah, very unfortunate. I mean, and this it's just more tacked onto this because it, it, the game had a bad start rate of the gate too. Uh, I mean, graphically it looked very good, but I, I don't think that I've seen this many glitches and bugs in a wrestling game. Of course, the, the memes and the, the YouTube videos, you can just go and find them for yourself. Uh, hilarious stuff. Good for comedy factor when it comes to wanting to play a good wrestling game. That's uh, just not good. And I think it's time to go back to the drawing board. I say with these guys, take a year or two off and then really make a good polished game. Otherwise, this is going to be uh, an ongoing problem if we have to crank up this game every year. This is part of the problem, and this is getting slightly off topic with a with a professional wrestling and getting into a video game discussion, but these companies that have to crank out this game every single year, 
you got to feel for them too because, I mean, it's hard to um, to perfect a game. I mean, really good games take five, six, seven plus years to really kind of perfect and polish when you look at Rockstar Games, when you look at some of these other companies. And these guys have to crank out a game every year. So I, I feel for them. At the same time, this is a pretty simple thing that should have been caught. Definitely. I, I, I'm in agreement with you um, to a certain point. Um, yep. Tell me, how many other 2K games are out there? Well, they do NBA 2K as well, and that's arguably, like I had mentioned earlier, one of the better sports games in the uh, in the gaming world. Yes. So maybe their resources are stretched too thin. I don't know the exact details there. That's something I can investigate. But, uh, I mean, no denying that this is a big ball drop for what was supposed to be a pretty big, uh, I mean, it's supposed to be the premier wrestling game. <clears throat> so I, I think a task for you, Big Joe, yes. um, and for our listeners as well, if you want to hear more on this and, and even a, uh, to see if there is a uh, ball droppage, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, in a correlation between the 2K games that are out there, maybe in an upcoming episode you guys can go and listen to Big Joe over on the HTM Tech mm-hmm. podcast. And, uh, yeah, maybe Joe will have something over there for you guys. But for me, I mean, it, it, it kind of, it kind of almost feels like it's a back burner type of thing because they're pushing out the NBA 2K. Um, right. Uh, Is there an MLB 2K? No, they're down to just those two now. Just uh, those two. For sports games. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so, but the NBA one is fantastic and they've never had these types of issues. So why are we having these issues with the WWE game? Right. One thing with that, too, is it could just be just the the nature of the gameplay. When when you look at basketball, I mean, there's relatively few kind of moving parts there. You got to think when you have a wrestling game, you know, you have a lot more moving parts, especially with the ring and whatnot. So that could be part of the problem in itself. Um, it's something that I'll have to kind of delve into and, and investigate more. But I think that that could be an issue just that there's more kind of to it, I think. That's, and that's part of the problem. And I, I'll be very interested to hear what you come up with, definitely. I'm definitely going to investigate it and uh, look into it. Now, uh, going from that to, this was an interesting thing that I came across, and it's something I don't think that we've kind of seen in a while. And we're talking about Mr. Randy Orton, who recently um, suffered a supposed knee injury at a, at a live event. And, of course, we brought that up uh, recently as well, how I felt, you know, we're getting back to this overusing talent went out of these house shows and them getting injured. Apparently this was all work and um, it really kind of caught me off guard because I think it's been a while since they've pulled off one of these uh, kind of storylines. And I'm wondering if this is something that will work in 2020, the the whole faking an injury storyline. What do you think, Carl? I think if we weren't in the age of social media, then definitely this could work. Yep. Um, I, you, you take a look back for, for at least me, one of the biggest ones that always sticks in my mind is Hulk Hogan and earthquake. <laughs> when earthquake did those massive jumps onto his chest, uh, clearly Hulk Hogan didn't die. He didn't have any <laughs> yeah. internal injuries. He didn't have, you know, like he, it was all kayfabe. Mm-hmm. I believed it. I was young. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was young, but I believed that he was injured. Yeah. Because I didn't have social media telling me, oh, it's a work. Oh, he's fine. Oh, I saw him walking on that knee, you know, two days ago at the airport and all of this crap. 
you know, it's right? sticking in the same family. I mean, rewinding back even past that, in the same family was a cowboy Bob Orton. How long did he have that cast on his arm for and and play that up as an right? injury? I think that was like multiple years. Um, exactly. So it's something that and you believed it. Absolutely. And in modern day, it's such a hard thing to pull off. And yeah, I don't know. It just it's the kind of thing. It looks so legitimate. But I mean, uh, it's one of those tough things where I just I don't know if I trust WWE to to pull this off. I mean, if I could trust a talent, it would it would be Randy to to kind of do it. But just given that the business is so exposed on social media, like you had mentioned, it, it's very very difficult. It definitely is, and I think that that's as much as we love professional wrestling, mm-hmm. and as much of we're as we're fans, and as much as we love our fans and all of this stuff, like yep. fans are what make it, but fans also are what break it, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunately a point that we're sitting at right now is that fans are just—it's almost like they're intentionally looking to break what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it it hundred percent it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And all this negativity around uh, wrestling—it's not just isolated to wrestling and social media. I mean, it's with everything. It's with the, the 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 current Star Wars movie. People are crapping all over that, and some people are loving it, and the back and forth on there. Just there are people that, and this is one of the reasons why I, I've kind of made myself scarce on social media. Just you end up getting into these arguments with people. Sometimes it goes on for on and on and on. And then after it's all said and done, it's like, and I, I talked to this, uh, you'll hear this this week on um, HTM tech as well. I talked to Mike about this same kind of scenario. When you get into these arguments with these people and at, at, after it's all said and done, it's like, what did I accomplish here? All I did was waste my time and possibly this, this other person's time as well. And we accomplished nothing out of it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even right now, I'm sitting in my studio. I look out my studio window. You know what I see? I see Mark Tarts everywhere. Mark Tarts everywhere. Yes. Mark Tarts everywhere. Oh, that's still one of the best um, things in 2019. Our very own Rick Vickery um, created that meme and uh, continually to praise him for that. Thank you, sir. Okay, so going from fake injuries to returns, this is one that... Uh, it was interesting. I, I I wasn't originally going to do it this way, Carl, but I think I have to to kind of get the point across. I have the, the sound clip of this. Uh, I'm going to play this, and then we'll kind of talk about it, okay? John Morrison, uh, I was actually hoping to get a word with the Miz the regarding... Miz doesn't have anything left to say tonight. So there you go, John Morrison making his big triumphant comeback to hardly any response, Carl. I mean, when Orange Cassidy uh, debuted on AEW, he got a bigger pop than John Morrison's return. Um, for me, this felt it just it fell completely flat. This was supposed to be hyped up as this great thing, and maybe it's mistimed or what happened there. But boy, this uh, this went over like a fart in church. And that's about all that we really heard was just, hey. Wow. I was just I was so surprised that they just, I mean, wow. Like they, they were really hyping this up. And then it's like, maybe people have forgotten. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I really don't think that it was that people forgot. It's just that it's not how it should have been presented. Rumble. Um, you're, you're talking about John Morrison coming back. I mean, for 
like before Kofi Kingston's all amazing flippy stuff that he does. Yeah. I mean, John Morrison was there. Mm-hmm. And John Morrison was was that that person. He was the one that was doing all this parkour crazy stuff, mm-hmm. running the the ropes and running across things and jumping up and and doing all this amazing stuff. And then you're gonna have him just answer a door. <laughs> Are you serious right now? He's yeah. just going to answer the Mrs. Door? Right. Yeah. Like, what are we even doing with this right now? This should have been a situation where they should have just had everybody out in the arena. Mm-hmm. Everything is 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 whatever. You come back from commercial break, then you hit John Morrison's music, and out he comes. That would have given you a pop. Mm-hmm. People would have been like, holy crap, it's John Morrison. He's coming. His music's playing. We're hyped up. But that there was no hype for that at all. And I'll even go further than that. I would have waited until the Rumble to, to debut him. I think there you could have maximized your pop and, and your return on your investment there with him. Because then people would be like, oh, because people, like he had mentioned, people know him, uh, uh, like with Kofi Kingston, doing all this crazy stuff during the Rumble and whatnot. That That's where you've gotten your biggest pop. And I, I just, I really think that they, they dropped the ball and they jumped the gun way too early on this. Yeah. I agree. It's a shame because he's, he's so damn good, and you know, he's been training really hard to come back, and it's very rem- reminiscent of when he was still Dean Ambrose when he came back to the WWE to such a muted kind of response there, too, because, again, they jumped the gun on that whole thing, and I had him just kind of ringside with Seth Rollins. You talked about this on the, the Talk is Jericho podcast, and, again, with John Morrison, they just they, they dropped the ball on this. And I, Oh, this stuff isn't difficult, guys. It's not difficult. If you have anybody on your on your your payroll there that knows how to do this kind of stuff, somebody should have said, "No, don't do this now," and and don't have it him just opening a door and go, "Oh no, this isn't ready." Close the door. Like it's just stupid, stupid. Yeah, oh, my I mean, God. I, I mean, it's not like it's Victor oh. Newman who's died thirty thousand times on The Young and the Restless, and now somebody knocks on a door and oh, Victor Newman answered the door. I, I think honestly, some that would have gotten a bigger pop. Yeah. Then what actually happened here? Like, what? what like, that would have worked for that, mm-hmm. right? Like that type of a story in in that type of like a soap opera setting or whatever. Because <sighs> I, I've I've always been the person that says you know like professional wrestling is just one big soap opera. It's a soap opera for guys. Sure, hundred percent. It definitely is. Right. Um, <laughs> that works yeah. in actual soap operas. Yeah. In this industry, that doesn't work. And it's just so sad to see that these writers, uh, I, I, I don't know if if they know anything about professional wrestling, if they're just clueless, if this is just, uh, you know, a, a case of Vince again going, this is such good sh-. and yeah, it, it is. You it's know, like, be. what is going on here? Because <sighs> this writing right now is crap. Yeah. For for that at least, it's it, it just was not good at all. It it feels like they're gonna throw him in in a tag team with the Miz. That, that that's I'm getting that feeling with this, and, uh, and that's been done. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Oh, the, the guy could excel so much as an independent wrestler, and so can the Miz. And just I think forcing these two guys in as, as a tag team together. That's how I see this panning out. Oh, it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. The tag team division. Oh, I'm worried, Carl. I'm worried that this could be um, a flop. I was so hoping that he was going to show up in NXT or at least wait till the Rumble to debut him. But, uh, oh, boy. Yeah. 
terrible. Okay. I want to get through some more bad stuff so we can get to some good stuff here. Now, we're talking, we're still talking about this Rusev and Bobby Lashley and, and Lana thing. And now Liv Morgan is involved in this too, which, I mean, oh, again, just stupid. They Now this is a supposed thing that Liv Morgan and Lana were involved romantically on top of all this. Like, oh, boy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote right from Rusev himself, kind of defending this whole thing, just so everybody can kind of get you know, the perspective here. And the, by the way, before I start reading this, this totally feels like this was something that was tight typed out for him and he just read yeah just my opinion he feels like it was written for him but let me read it so everybody can kind of get to what's going on here people hate it oh yeah people love it sure but the power of social media now it's almost like i want to be a cool guy and cheer against wwe you can put the greatest segment in history but there will be this three percent it's a higher percentage than that people uh that are going to go ahead and bash it and hey you have your right go ahead and express it. I'm not going to judge you for it. Um, that in its way is almost kind of a dick way of saying, yeah, I am judging you for it. Just saying. Um, there's some people that want to see three hours of power bombs and Hey, kudos to you. If that's what you're into, go ahead and find what works for you. But we are a broad company. We are entertainment. It's not about power bombs. It's not about arm drags. It's about entertaining millions and millions of people week in and week out. Oh boy. Um, I wouldn't be able to say that with a straight face if I was a WWE talent. If this is their way of entertaining, I am not entertained. I'm not either. Especially when you put it up against what we're going to be talking about here uh, with some New Japan stuff here. Um, like I had mentioned to you before we started recording, Carl, uh, and we'll get into it. When I watched Wrestle Kingdom 14 this year, I'm thinking to myself this whole time, I mean, just every match was, was excellent. I'm thinking to myself, why am I watching WWE and this other stuff? When I, when you watch New Japan and it just, it's so damn good and they, they knock it out of the park every time. It's like, why am I subjecting myself to the torture of this other stuff when New Japan just like, it's so friggin' good. And people who aren't watching New Japan for wrestling now, you're doing yourself such a huge disservice if you're a wrestling fan. Go watch it. Go find a way to watch Wrestle Kingdom. You'll be blown away. Uh, I, I'll predict right now, this is better than what WrestleMania is going to be coming up. And um, I know that seems like a bold statement, but... <laughs> It's, I think it's very, very accurate, and we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, Rus- mm-hmm. the stuff with Rusev and this storyline, th- th- this stuff has got to end. And I think that uh, it's just it's a compounding problem now with these really, really horrible storylines. It's, it's got to stop. And, I mean, other than getting Vince out there, I don't know what the other solution is at this point. Uh, new writers. But, like, Vin- I think, uh, but Vince honestly, is just overriding like- everything every time. That's, the, I think, the bigger issue. Okay, we need new writers yep. who are going to take a stand yeah. against Vince and be like, dude, yeah. you hired us to write for you. Mm-hmm. You want us to write. You're changing everything that right. we've given to you. Why are we here? <laughs> exactly. You want us to be here to write for you? Let us do that and let us present to you what we have written. If there is a small, subtle change that needs to happen in something, we can work with that. But changing everything that's been done and written is a problem. And if you're going to continue to do that, then we can't continue to do this for you. Right? Like, I think that that's that's what it's going to have to come down to, is that this Writers Guild that they have within the WWE... They are 100% going to have to take a stand and say, listen, 
you can't keep changing what we're writing because we're writing for hours and hours and hours on end for you just for you to shoot everything down, crap on it, and then change it. What are we even doing here then? You want to write? Here. You have all of it. You write and take care of the WWE and take care of your uh, finances and take care of the XFL and take care of everything else on top of it. Wait, you're overwhelmed? So you hired writers? Let us do our freaking job. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what it's going to have to come down to. This is something, this was a topic that we talked on quite a while back when it comes to the, uh, the atmosphere of being a writer for the WWE. And again, just imagine being in that work environment where you're putting all this effort into writing these storylines, especially if you're somebody who's experienced in the wrestling business and you know how to write a wrestling storyline, you put all this work and energy into it and you hand it over to Vince or when they're doing the, the, the table read or whatever they, whatever they call it, the production meeting. And Vince just goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to completely redo that. That's not going to work. Just just imagine getting shot down week after week after week. Eventually, you're just going to say, screw you, old man. I am out of here. Well, exactly, right? And right. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that is something that has actually happened oh, my God. numerous times. And they keep scrambling to try to find people to come in and write to get their ideas construed and oh. turned around and... And then for them just to quit, yeah. right? Like that's that's just the way it's it's feeling. It's feeling like it's just right now a vicious cycle of, yep, we're gonna we're gonna get people into write, and then they're gonna quit because we're not you know presenting what they've written, and then just a vicious cycle of continuously doing that. Yeah. Like I said, I think there needs to be a mutiny. There needs to be a stand that happens, and they need to step up to Vince and be like, dude, you hired us to do a job. Let us do our job. And then you could even go as far to if you, if you really want to, it to kind of cross over into your program, even make that a storyline in itself of where you can somehow incorporate it. Because I'm sure that that's something Vince would probably want to do at the same time. I mean, that's something that could be somewhat interesting, I think. But I mean, something has to be done here because, you know, now we have this lawsuit kind of looming over their head as well. Just, I mean, it's the, the problems are compounding here and we need to do some damage control very soon. Otherwise the number one wrestling company in the world could be in jeopardy, Carl. I mean, I think this is a realist, uh, not an unrealistic statement to make at this point. I mean, just the, uh, it's like a house of cards. that's kind of slowly falling apart here as we're kind of, uh, going week to week. Yeah. It honestly, that's the way it seems. So, and again, just to, to, to be clear, we don't want them to fail as a company. We want them to succeed, but I mean, they, they have to, somebody in the company has to be seeing all this stuff happening and, saying something hey guys you know we need to kind of fix this because we're we're dropping the ball big time other companies like new japan when are blowing us out of the water that I mean that that conversation must be happening somewhere at some point so i hope that they can kind of get their act together and do it quickly guys do it quickly uh, yeah i i hope so too i mean i grew up with the wwf yep. and then wcw came in and it was like cool this is awesome i have two companies now and then i mean now that you know there's more companies out there and more on TV and, and more stuff to watch. Like, I mean, I, I don't want any of them to fail at all because I love professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. I want to see them all succeed, but things got Something's got to change and yeah. something's got to change like very quickly. Yeah. 
So let's, you had mentioned uh, wrestling on TV. This is another story that I want to get to before we go through some highlights of Wrestle Kingdom here. Um, and this has to do, again, with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling and AEW, uh, kind of in a roundabout way. Um, there was a, a partnership kind of brewing with New Japan and Impact Wrestling with the, the whole Access TV because New Japan was on Access TV as well. And I guess uh, basically what happened here is Impact uh, Anthem, the parent company, proposed a partnership with New Japan, and they just essentially went, "We're good, thank you." And and so Access ended up dropping New Japan from Access TV. So it was kind of one of those things where I kind of saw this coming because I mean, New Japan gets nothing out of partnering up with Impact Wrestling. I mean, there's just nothing to be gained there. Uh, if anything, it, it would feel kind of like a step back. I mean, they could acquire a few of their talents, I guess. But it's one of those partnerships that just didn't make sense whatsoever. Yeah, at this at this point in the game, you're right. It definitely did not make sense for a partnership between the two companies. Um, I mean, New Japan Pro Wrestling is thriving over in New Japan or over in Japan, right? So, like, I mean, they're they're established. They've got everything going for them over there. Unfortunately, right now, like impact it seems to be on a decline which i mean again i don't want to see at all because i've been a huge fan of impact wrestling back from from the beginning days of sure. tna nwa tna um i think that this was probably uh, you know impact and anthem realized that you know something needs to happen so they were reaching out to New Japan saying, hey, we'd yeah. love to come into a partnership with you guys to maybe help boost them, right? Mm-hmm. Which in turn, like you said, is going to do absolutely nothing for New Japan no. and everything for Impact and Anthem. Yep. So kind of smart, I would say, on the part of New Japan Pro to say, no, we, we can't come into that type of an agreement with you mm-hmm. because they're going to fear that their product is going to start to come down as impacts has and it's 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 it sucks it definitely does um again we need some sort of reform i I don't know what can what can really happen to kind of help impact but uh i don't know maybe short of uh trying to get some other smaller independent companies to come together and uh you know build up a bigger roster and and you know stuff like that but i i mean even with that Mm -hmm. I don't know, because then is that going to take the other companies down, too? It could potentially. Right? Like yeah. it's, it's so hard. It sucks. Yeah. Having said that, though, one partnership that does make sense with New Japan Pro Wrestling is AEW. And after his match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Chris Jericho had a little meeting, uh, had a little press conference here. And here is what the Painmaker had to say about this. Put aside all the hurt feelings. Put aside all the egos. Put aside all of the issues and politics and concentrate on great wrestling matches and big business. I haven't been doing this at the highest of levels for 29 years as what some people say the greatest of all time because I'm a stupid businessman. I can see the amount of money that we can make together with AEW and New Japan, both here in Japan and in the United States and Canada and England and Australia and all around the world. So even though I beat Tanahashi tonight, I would be more than willing to wrestle him again anytime. And I would be more than willing to give him an AEW title shot 
and Okada, and Naito, and Suzuki, and Ibushi, and Osprey. So there you go from one of the greatest of all time saying, yes, this this uh, partnership would be great. And I agree with him. And what has me even more, uh, has me even happier is that he mentioned Canada as well. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Definitely. I mean, just to um, kind of go into a little bit of spoiler territory, I know we're going to get into it and cover it, but um, John Moxley going over to New Japan and uh, regaining the United States Heavyweight Championship yeah. with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend over, and we were kind of watching. We watched both of uh, uh, John Moxley's matches for over uh, the two days. Nice. Uh, we ha- I haven't seen the third day, uh, but over the two days, we, we, we watched that. And um, we had both figured that he was going to drop the title the next day, which he did not. So now we have you know, a member of all elite wrestling holding a new Japan championship. Yeah. Now we know that new Japan is coming over to the United States. Mm -hmm. They've already announced it. They've already said that they are, they already have everything in place for that. So in our heads, we're going, well, this is perfect because now we're going to have John Moxley as the face of this. And we're going to have that United States championship in the United States with New Japan Pro Wrestling moniker on it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the top guy over there. Yeah. And then we're going to have people from New Japan coming over for that. And we're going to have people from AEW coming in for that. And then we're going to have together big pay-per-view matches that are going to happen, which is going to be great for all of professional wrestling. Right? Mm -hmm. So this this is just little steps, little baby steps that keep happening towards what I think is going to be an amazing partnership between New Japan and All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, there's a tremendous amount of potential, like you said, with with them branching over into uh, North America. I mean, to me, it's a partnership that makes sense whether it happens or not. I know there's still some bad blood there management-wise, as Jericho had kind of made reference to there, but I think that... If they can put that aside and they can really do some stuff here, I think that the combination of AEW and New Japan is a very, very compelling thing and could be this real legitimate number two competitor to WWE that we've been looking for. I agree. So going from uh, that to the actual Wrestle Kingdom show, for those who aren't aware... They did it in two nights this year, which I think was good given all the stuff that they had going on here. They split up into two nights. And, I mean, just front to back, day to day, everything was awesome. I mean, it, it would take us a long time to kind of go through uh, both of these shows here. So I, I wanted to just pick a couple of the ones that really stand out to, to me here, Carl. Uh, the first one is from night one. And this was Jushin Thunder Liger's second last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And... As I read these kind of names out here to you, if you're somebody that has at all followed the history of Japanese wrestling, some of these names are going to stand out to you big time. I mean, this was just, uh, it, it wasn't even a long match, but it was just, it's, uh, it was just cool on so many levels. Let me, let me start reading out some of these names to you here. If, like I said, if you're um, a longtime fan of Japan uh, wrestling, you're going to understand uh, what I'm talking about here. Uh, Naoki Sano, uh, Shinjiro Otani, Tatsu. Tatsuhito Takiawa, Raisuke Taguchi, and uh, Kobayashi uh, versus Jushin Thunder Liger, the great Sasuke 
Tiger Mask, El Samurai, and Tatsumi Fujinami. I mean, you look at all these names. I mean, these are like, this is like the who's who of Japanese wrestling here, Carl. This was a, a stacked uh, match here. I mean, and even Tatsumi Fujinami. I mean, that might ring a bell to some American wrestling fans. Uh, some of the matches that he had with um, with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. I mean, this man was kind of the best of the best when it came to Japanese wrestling at that time. And still going. And a lot of these guys are, are up there in age and still going. And, and that's another thing, too, that I want to kind of make mention of that here. When we compare North American professional wrestling versus Japanese wrestling, you see careers last a lot longer in Japan. Now, I don't know what it is, if it's a combination of diet and training and fitness or whatever these guys are doing. But, I mean, these guys are, like, easily into their 50s and 60s and still going like the younger guys. It's very impressive to watch. It definitely is, and this was definitely one of the highlights from this entire weekend yeah. of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Um, even, uh, like, yes, they're, they're, they're older guys, but they were putting on a clinic inside of that ring. Yeah. And then just, at, like, even the ending of that match, yeah. um, Jushin Thunder Liger actually getting pinned yeah. in his second-last match mm-hmm. and uh, his team not winning. But just the respect and admiration shown from every single one of the competitors to uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was just amazing, and that's the the uh, one of the big differences I think is 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 almost that again it maybe broke kayfabe a little bit yeah. there, but not in a way because they were just showing respect yeah. for their opponent, right? So big, 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 big difference from North American wrestling to uh, the wrestling from New Japan Pro Wrestling is is just seems to be a lot more respect when it comes to the uh, competition mm-hmm. and the competitors. Now, another uh, one of your standout ones, I believe, was uh, a little bit later on. Uh, you'd mentioned John Moxley versus Lance Archer in that Texas death match. Uh, that was one of your standout matches, correct? Yes, it was, actually. Yeah. Um it was, it was a Texas death match, but it wasn't like Over extreme top. hardcore. Yeah, right. Like you had the the use of some tables, you had the use of chairs, um, and and, and just different plays <clears throat> on the different things. Um, I mean, I I completely forgot about, <laughs> um, you know, Lance Archer's finishing move. Yeah. Um, for those of you who who were old school, you remember Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Right. And he had the razor's edge where he would, you know, pick them up, you know, and he would hold them up and then he would like throw them forward um, over top of his head onto their back. Um, Lance Archer kind of does the same thing. But instead, the person is facing forwards and he picks them up almost like a razor's edge, but then flips them in the air and they land on their back. Like I I saw it and I was blown away again. I'm like, holy crap. I I can't believe I forgot about this. Such an awesome move. Um, Table spots, right? And then like the table spot at the very (laughs) end, two tables set up. Oh, what? Uh, Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm reacting as you're saying it in those Japanese tables. Oh my God. Oh, tiny tiny little tables not like what you're used to seeing here like you go to a buffet table here um or or a folding table here like they're they're wide they're long these ones are like super thin 
yeah. but thick. Yeah. They are oh, a man. thick table. Oof. And then both John Moxley and Lance Archer both coming down onto those tables and breaking those tables and then nicely the match was over because there was a count out. Right? Yep. I, I I loved that. I loved that it wasn't just a, you know, uh, signature spot fest and then, you know, like three times hitting your finisher and stuff yep. like that. It was just a simple, we have beaten the crap out of each other mm-hmm. and that guy just couldn't get up anymore. Yep. And that's how the match ended. I was like, wow. Wow. Just such a story tell happened in that match. Yeah. So those were our two kind of uh, big highlight matches from from night one. Uh, One other notable one from night one, though, that I cannot mention, was uh, the match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship versus Will uh, with uh, Will Osprey versus Hiromu Takahashi. Um, Takahashi getting uh, winning that title back, Uh, and I mean for just just a little over twenty four minutes, these guys just threw everything but the kitchen sink at each other. It wasn't a um, an extreme no DQ match or anything like that. Just some talking. High octane offense from both guys. It, it did get a little much near the end with uh, numerous false finishes and whatnot, but I mean, it didn't really take away from the match for me. It was still really good stuff back and forth. And uh, yeah, Tagahashi getting that title back. So that was pretty cool to see. Definitely it was. Something else, another title change that happened that kind of makes me wonder what is happening with this coalition hmm. of people right now. Uh, we saw the Gorillas of Destiny losing the yeah. championship to David Finley and Juice Robinson. Um, great tag team. Finn Juice is an amazing tag team. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. what's happening with the Bullet Club lately? Who knows, man? Uh, you know, like it just, wow. And, and especially for the for the Gorillas of Destiny, who are uh, touted as one of the hardest-hitting best tag teams that are out there in the world today and they're losing the yeah. championship at wrestle kingdom yeah. i was uh i was a little little sad yeah. but uh we've seen it before they've lost the championship um i'm sure at some point they will regain it and um i'm just hoping that this isn't a foretelling mm-hmm. of what could be happening with the bullet club because i'm actually quite a fan me too. I'm wearing their shirt as we're recording here. And I mean, the um, G.O.D., you know, Tomatonga and Tongaloa, they got to be on the radar of a lot of different companies, uh, you know, when and if their contracts uh, get close to expiring. I mean, they got to be getting offers from all over the place. So, yeah, we'll see what kind of happens with those guys. I would rather see them stick where they are, but um, who knows what could happen with those guys. They could go anywhere and be uh, um, really good in any tag team division they go to. Oh, yes. Okay, so going to night two here, Carl. The uh, big standout match for me here has to be the main event here. We're talking Tetsuya Naito. Tetsuya, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, I'm I'm a Canadian trying to pronounce Japanese names here, so it's a little difficult because uh, he had actually won the Intercontinental title from Jay White the night before, and he went up against the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada. Um, 35, just over, just shy of 36 minutes in this match here, Carl. I mean, this is um, an early contender for match of the year for me here. These guys, just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, again, like we're we're praising all of this, and I mean, th- I think that's really all that we can do is just continue to praise because everything. Yeah. There were, you know, like minor minor things, sure. but I mean, that's going to happen in every professional wrestling show that happens. There's going to be those things that are like, oh, oh, I, that was off. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Whatever, right? But yeah, just nothing but praise for everything that's happened. Yep, and. Tetsuya and Aito walking away with both belts. Uh, that was something that I didn't see coming. Um, but, I mean, if there's anybody that's earned it, it's him, man. He's been putting in the work. And uh, after the match is done, I had figured when they had him talking that something else was going to happen. And uh, Kenta came out and kind of uh, attacked uh, Naito. So uh, kind of moving the storylines uh, along there as well. So that, that was pretty cool to see. And, uh, yeah, that, that was the, the big standout match there for me. Um if I had to pick another notable kind of one, um, it was Jushin Thunder Liger's last match here. We had uh, Tagahashi and uh, Dragon Lee defeating Liger and uh, Naoki Sano. Um, yeah, just um, incredible stuff there. And, I mean, not a dry in the in the house when uh, Liger kind of pieced out there. So. Yeah, definitely it wasn't. I mean, yeah. there there was emotions running high for that match, going into it, during it, and after it. I mean, yeah. for us at least, right? Like, this is somebody that we have grown up watching, grown up admiring, <laughs> um, seeing his work, and, and, and to, to kind of see it all culminate and come to an end is, uh, you know, emotional. Um, and, and, and it definitely was felt and the emotions were there from everyone that was in that arena. Mm-hmm. What was your kind of standout match from night two, Carl? Was it the other, uh, Moxley match? Uh, I had two actually the, okay. uh, the Moxley match, uh, again, him, uh, retaining, uh, the newly won United States, uh, yeah. heavyweight championship, um, over, uh, juice Robinson, mm-hmm. um, very different look to juice lately. Um, almost, uh, my, my buddy and I that were over here watching that match, um, he kind of looks over at me and he goes, uh, did they take all the colons and kind of throw them together? (laughs) Um, we were talking, uh, Primo, Epico and Carlito. Um, that's almost how he looked and it was kind of odd to see that, but, um, still a great match. Um, I mean, I've always been a fan of, uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him. I've always been a fan of his work. Um, the next one actually is, is kind of one that was kind of under the radar, yeah. but I thought was just outstandingly done. And I'm talking the British heavyweight championship, uh, mm-hmm. Zack Sabre Jr., the champion, defeating Sonata yeah. uh, via submission to retain the title. Um, two very good competitors. And then to see this end in a submission was very nice uh, yeah. to see something different other than just the typical spot, spot, spot pin. Uh, we actually got to see a submission happen. Yeah, I mean, and when you want to, if you want to sit down and have a talk about technical professional wrestling, it's hard to not have that discussion without Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the guy is, has every move that you would want in the book and he can adjust his style on the fly depending on his opponent. And then you look at his opponent in that match, Sonata. I mean, that, there's a guy that has star written all over him. He's somebody that could go into the WWE. He can go into AEW. And he is just a, he's one of those entertaining kind of wrestlers. He might not be the most technically sound guy uh, in the ring, but he makes his matches entertaining to watch. And 
how could you not want that on your roster? So, exactly. yeah, I mean, both guys are fantastic again. So it's it's really hard to pick a bad match out of uh, both of these nights. But those were just the, the few that I wanted to kind of cherry pick there out of that one. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, good stuff. And uh, like I mentioned earlier in the episode here, Carl, this is going to give WrestleMania a run for its money. <laughs> it definitely will. Yeah. And, I mean, especially, like, we're – we're still hearing rumblings of WrestleMania possibly trying to do a two-day event. Yeah. Um, if they do, I think they're going to fall flat on their face. Yeah. I, I don't want them to, but New Japan has that down. Mm-hmm. They they 100% have it down. This is something that, that they normally uh, do and, and can pull off so well, and they've been doing it for years. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, right now, yep. this here, Wrestle Kingdom 14, has been, over the over the course of all of it, has been the best show of 2020. And yeah. I know we're only like six days in. Right. Seven days in. Yep. I get it. <laughs> but right now, yep. that is the bar. And it has been set very high. Very high. And you know, before we move to our match of the week uh, segment here, Carl, I want to make a, a notable mention to uh, the commentary team over there, the English commentary team. Um, Rocky Romero does an excellent job there as well. But I think somebody who really kind of goes unappreciated when it comes to wrestling commentary, and I'm talking about Kevin Kelly. When you listen to a New Japan uh, when you watch a New Japan show and you have English commentary on, this is a guy that just, he goes kind of very unappreciated. He's very good at breaking the action down and kind of getting you emotionally into those matches. He's He does it the very kind of old school way, and I really appreciate his approach to that. Um, so, yeah, somebody I just wanted to make mention of because he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. Kevin Kelly is an excellent commentator when it comes to professional wrestling. Yes. Okay, Carl, let's do our match of the week segment here. Um, I think I've gone first the last couple weeks here, so I'm going to let you go first. What was your your match, your favorite wrestling match of this past week? It is so hard considering (laughs) all the amazing matches that we've been able to see. Um, I'm going to go kind of not with the stuff that we've already talked about. I'll pick something different. Um, again, this is another match that happened at Wrestle Kingdom, and it was a submission to end the match, which I was very happy with. And um, we're talking Chris Jericho mm. defeating Tanahashi. Tanahashi. Um, I mean, the match wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the best match out of the entire weekend. No, I, I and I, I totally get that. Yep. But it was a great match. Absolutely. And it's something that that is not from what we've already talked about because the Moxley <laughs> matches were probably by far my favorite matches. Um, you know, watching uh, this week, mm-hmm. I was so invested in them. Um, just with no storyline, no nothing built up, yeah. I was just really invested in these for some reason. And I think because it's John Moxley, and and because when I was working, um, I did kind of that that extreme hardcore style as well. Not to the extent that Moxley has done, but mm-hmm. I have done that. The tables, the chairs, the ladders, you know, the kendo sticks, barbed wire. I've had I've had all of it. Um, so of course I'm I'm invested in that because that's you know what I did when mm-hmm. I was wrestling. But this matchup with uh, with Jericho, um, I mean, it's Jericho. And it's Tanahashi. Yeah. I mean, what more can you say than Jericho versus Tanahashi? 
any marquee that would sell out for sure. For me, Carl, uh, I think this is probably the first time that this has happened. I have a tie for my uh, favorite match of this week Ooh. here. It's a dead heat here. Uh, I loved both of these matches. Um, the first one is going to come from the most recent episode of AEW Dynamite, and I'm talking the match that led off the show, uh, Mr. Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen, the real breakout star uh, recently in professional wrestling. Those guys put on an excellent match. It's just it's, it's a pleasure to watch both of those guys. And Darby Allen, his, his stock just continues to rise. I mean, the guy just brings it every single time. Entertaining as hell to watch, and it's just a, a really good compliment uh, to Cody. They have good chemistry in the ring. It's just, it's... <laughs> it was incredible to watch. And uh, again, just excited to see what uh, is next for Darby Allen. Um, my other one is um, one I already mentioned the, uh, the match for the IWGP heavyweight championship match uh, for, sorry for the title from night two at, New, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, uh, Tetsuya Naito defeating Kazuchika Okada. I mean, just two of the best in the world. And you just, you saw an absolute clinic and just everything you would want in a professional wrestling match. Good wrestling, good psychology, good storyline going into it. Uh, and more build happening after the match. I mean, just it, uh, it hit all the marks, for lack of a better term, pun intended. That's right. <laughs> okay, Carl, we're going to take a brief break here. We're going to come back with our showstopper segment here. Our first showstopper segment of 2020. And we're going to talk about fan perception when it comes to professional wrestling. So we'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Collar Neville. Visit CollarNevilleBrand.com where you can get an additional 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, including this week's featured item, the Mirror Pullover Hoodie. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and this week, sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, we are bringing you our show stopper segment. Yeah. So this is an interesting one here, Carl, and this has to do with casual and non-wrestling fans and their whole kind of perception of professional wrestling. And, and, and this ties in a little bit to with something that uh, we're going to be talking, uh, Mike and I, on the uh, episode of HTM Tech this week here. And when we, to give you kind of a, a little perspective here when people think of because we had talked about an article that was talking about cell phones and uh, it was uh, like a major news uh, reporting source and, and basically they said uh, you know the companies are looking to replace iPhones with uh, with headsets and these companies are basically just labeling every cell phone as an iPhone you know and even when you look at uh, professional wrestling people when they think professional wrestling all they think is WWE and, and stuff like that and I think that that is the, that perception by the casual and the non-fan out there I think is kind of causing a little bit of damage to some of the other companies out there because I think that people are under the legitimately people are under the impression that WWE is just everything in wrestling and that's obviously and definitely not the case yeah it definitely is not and it it's very hard to uh kind of get people's perception to change from that because i mean for 50 years what's it been for over 50 years what's Mm -hmm. it been wwf wwe that's what it's been Mm -hmm. right so and i mean that's when people think professional wrestling that's Mm -hmm. what they think oh you talking that wwf stuff i still get that to this day right right then i'm like no 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 there is a world outside of that and they're like oh yeah why i I didn't even know (laughs) right and, and, and honestly, I think that it's it, it's kind of something that's going to work both ways, though, mm-hmm. with this. Like, it, can't, it can be a detriment 
but it can also be a benefit because uh, people are going to look at it and go, oh, well, you know, like it's, yeah, that, that wrestling stuff and you know like hey that that could be kind of cool and oh look i do kind of like that and then they're going to do their own research and kind of start to find that there is other stuff out there and then um you know it could be an avenue for people to you know kind of find all elite or find the nwa and stuff like that so um one for some it could be a turnoff uh, for some, it could be an avenue for them to kind of go, I need to research some more professional wrestling. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. People's, you know, people's perception on it um, is, is going to be their perception no matter what, right? Um, but it's up to, you know, broadcast journalists like ourselves mm-hmm. to kind of change that perception a little bit through our excitement and our enjoyment of professional wrestling and especially like you guys hear on this podcast that we love professional wrestling absolutely, and that we love watching all elite and love what NWA is doing right now. And we have a few issues with the WWE, but it's not always all bad. No. Right. So we can, we can through our voice kind of change perceptions a little bit as well. So, yeah, the WWE has a big factor in it, but mm. I don't think that it's really going to be the be-all, end-all. Yeah, and my concern, especially right now, is especially if people, you know, they tune to Monday Night Raw and they see this wedding happening with Bobby Lashley and Lana and that kind of stuff in it. And just my fear is that, say, like a first-time fan or, or a casual type of fan sees this, and then they think that this is this kind of stuff is happening everywhere, right? When you mentioned, say, like another uh, company like New Japan or uh, Ring of Honor or what have you, and they think that this is all just all kind of tied in together. Oh, I don't want to watch uh, more of that kind of crap or weddings and that kind of stuff. This stuff doesn't happen everywhere. So that, that that's my only issue, especially with WWE doing this kind of stuff. And the casual fans tend to kind of gravitate towards that company. And they just they get this idea that, that this is like this everywhere. It really, really isn't. If you've listened through this episode here like we had just talked about with wrestle kingdom 14 there's some great actual professional wrestling out there that doesn't have a lot of this other filler and kind of crap in there so if that's what you're after go watch that instead if, if you're not a fan of the quote-unquote sports entertainment um, aspect i'm using finger quotations that nobody can see right now including you <laughs> um yeah just go watch some other stuff instead because, um, again, it's not all WWE out there. And this is, I'm sure this is something that probably comes up when you talk to, to people out in the public, Carl, and it happens to me all the time. Whenever I mention professional wrestling, the first three letters that come out of their mouth are either WWE or WWF. Yep, it is. And uh, it's just not the case anymore. And, and even going back for the, you know, when it was WWF and whatnot. Even then, you know, we still had all these other companies like all Japan and, and other stuff around the world. It wasn't yep. always just limited to that, but be, they got the main exposure. So I think that's where that kind of all kind of started and, and recently too. But like I just said, folks, and uh, we're sounding like a broken record sometimes with this thing, but I just want to reiterate it again here that spread, uh, you know, widen your horizons when it comes to professional wrestling. If WWE's got you feeling down, there's a wealth of other stuff out there to watch when it comes to, you know, other big companies, some more kind of middle of the road kind of stuff, even your local promotions, great wrestling happening all over the place. You don't just have to sit down and torture yourself with WWE every single week. 
And if you guys are unsure as to where to find this stuff, you can always get a hold of us on our social media at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. (laughs) And we will be more than happy to send you to where you can find different things like All Elite Wrestling, NWA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, even independent promotions like Canadian Wrestling's Elite. Mm-hmm. and Ignite Wrestling, MLW. There's a lot of different ones that are out there that we can point you to. So yeah, if you're unsure as to where to find or how to, get a hold of us, and we will definitely help you out. Absolutely. Uh, before we do go, Carl, when it comes to breaking news and whatnot, there really isn't a whole lot that I really care to t- talk about. I mean, there's a lot of rumors and stuff about people leaving WWE and stuff like that. But I mean, just there really isn't a whole lot of substance to a lot of this kind of stuff. So I, I'm, frankly, I'm just going to kind of leave it alone this week because I looked into a lot of it and it, there's just really not really any legitimacy to any of it whatsoever. So uh, we'll save bringing that up until we hear some actual real information for some real sources as opposed to just pure speculation with nothing to back it up whatsoever. Definitely. I think the only real thing that we could maybe talk about, because this is something that is confirmed. Okay. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to read the quote here first, and then I will let you know who this is. And this is, uh, this person was actually recently on the Talk is Jericho podcast, Mm. Um, says, I'm really excited about Impact. I've signed for two years there. They allow me to do indies too, because it's important to find new talent. The cool thing about it is you can find talent and there's places for them to go. The worst thing is to find talent and have them go someplace that they're not able to use that talent to better wrestling. Hmm. Impact is a good area to hone their skills. That's what's exciting about wrestling. We have a lot of great things happening with wrestling right now. And that is a direct quote from the Talk is Jericho podcast with Rhino former WWE star confirming that he is under contract on a two-year deal with Hmm. Impact Wrestling um, after he was released by the WWE in 2019. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I would say he's definitely a good person to have there. I mean, he's a... a, It's it's pretty safe to call him a legend. He's been around for a long time. And I think a great great hand to to have there to kind of help train and help um, get the feet wet of some of these newer talents coming through that company. So I, I say, you know, definitely a good person to have there. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely a great name to be able to have there and especially somebody to go and find uh, new upcoming talent from some of the independent promotions. Mm-hmm. Who better than Rhino for that? Yeah. All right, Carl, I guess that about wraps up for this week. Uh, the only thing that I kind of want to add, uh, coming up this week on my other podcast, HTM Tech, we're going to have Mr. Michael Jargo on for our final bite segment, and we're going to talk about how technology and sports kind of intersect and uh, how it negatively and kind of positively affects uh, the sports industry. So that's going to be a, a conversation I'm really looking forward to having. Jargo is... Uh, one of the smartest guys I, that I know that when it comes to professional sports like football, hockey, and that kind of stuff, so I'm really looking forward to uh, picking his brain about that topic. So that's going to be a fun one. Definitely looking forward to that. Absolutely. All right, Carl, that wraps up for this week, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Have a nice day. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I'd like everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content 
especially lit up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at hittingthemarks.com. Run. Thank you.